0: G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode number 93 of the Outback Mine podcast. Thanks so much for joining in guys, episode 93. I have a very special guest with me today, Brett Jeeves. Brett was a uh, a really talented cricketer all-rounder that played for Tasmania, Um, Tasmanian Tigers. Also had a bit of a stint with Australia there uh, for a period, and uh, we're going to talk a a lot about that today. Uh, Also a lot about Brett's upbringing uh, in the back blocks of Glenorchy, rough and tumble area uh, in Tasmania. Not so much anymore, but it was back in the day. And Brett's really passionate about, uh, you know, guys, men's wellbeing, um, you know, rural communities, and basically being uh, being a, a bit of a role model to, to many people uh, in Tasmania. Throughout his cricket career, but beyond, he's been able to mentor and um, and coach a lot of people to. Uh, I suppose, high levels of self-awareness, but also to be uh, better sportsmen, uh, better sportswomen, and just to be able to you know, get the most out of themselves and the most out of their lives. So Brett's had a pretty amazing career. He sort of battled, um, you know, found his way, got an opportunity with the Tassie team, and uh, went really well, played uh, with some some awesome players, uh, which I'm sure you'll recognise and we'll talk a lot about. And uh, yeah, it should be a really... Uh, cracking conversation with Brett uh, about his journey, and I'm really uh, honored to be able to share this with you because, um, yeah, uh, I guess, you know, people like Brett um, have got awesome stories to tell and also around the mental health um, challenges that they may have experienced themselves, but also with others uh, within their networks that um, will be uh, helpful to, uh, to many people listening, I'm sure. So sure you're going to get a lot from this conversation, just want to make special mention to our primary partners, Green Nutritionals, who provide awesome green organic superfoods, so if you're lacking something in your diet, uh, please check out their website, all their products are amazing organic they're not synthetic like traditional supplements so i really encourage you to to uh, have a look and support them greennutritionals.com.au also pure life uh, sprouted bakery who supply organic sprouted bread so when the grains in breads are sprouted they digest much better and also when our digestion's working well our mental health um, works a lot better too so you know our, our digestion plays a, a lot uh, and, a, and a major role in our mental well being, and if we're not sort of functioning well in the gut, then our, our mental health can be quite foggy. So I really encourage you to check out their website. Their breads are available all throughout Australia, uh, purelifebakery.com.au. All listen to Brett and I going at it. I'm sure you're going to get a lot from this chat. Brett Jeeves, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast thanks for having me aaron no worries mate uh i've been a bit of a fan of yours for for a few years and watched you sort of go about it there uh for tassie uh you know a few years back and it's probably been a while uh, i guess now since you um since you retired but uh mate you know amazing story from getting uh you know a Guernsey uh from the Glenorchy area as a young fella and uh, sort of coming through the system and you know, obviously, um, your, your background and my background are pretty similar, sort of from the working class areas and the blue collar environments, I suppose, so to speak. So, mates, um, lots of people that listen to this are, are from the same, um, same background. It'd just be, be really awesome to get a bit of a, a snapshot of your, your upbringing and how sort of a life sort of evolved for you and got you into the cricket scene, I suppose.
1: Yeah, cool. As I said, thanks for having me. I kind of work in uh, kilos gain now, not years. <laughs> um, so, you know, the years are all kind of one so that I can kind of individualize each year by kilos gain. So, True. Uh, yeah, cricket cricket <laughs> for me was 30 kilos ago. Right, um, okay. And uh, it's, um, yeah, it's, quite, it's gone fast. You know, it's been, you know, the last 10 years have, have been the quickest of my life. I've, I've three boys now, um, 10, 7 and 5 and, um it's it's mad you know I can remember my dad saying to me when I was a boy you know I was 12 or 13 and my brother was kind of 16 17 and he was off allowed to go to parties and he was drinking beer occasionally and I was like I can't wait to be 18 you know I'm gonna (laughs) drink and you know I remember my dad saying you know don't ever wish your life away you're gonna get to 18 and you know click your fingers you'll be 40 Mm. and I'm like shut up you know no no chance and that's exactly what's happened. Yeah, it's bizarre but it's you know it was good yeah, like you said I'm um, uh, uh, you know, northern suburbs of Hobart Kid public School Clamont High and Cla uh, College and uh, yeah my mum and dad were you know really hard-working people still are hard-working people mm. uh, both um, in aged care and um, you know and they they sacrificed an enormous amount for my brother and I. Ah, uh, to ensure that we got every opportunity in in sport, and um, you know, I, I played the drums from year seven to ten. I had a drum tutor, um, you know. So, and, and that was mum and dad sacrificing. You know, they 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 went without on on a lot of things to ensure that you know my brother and I got every chance. And you know, I'm grateful for that. And without it, you know, I certainly wouldn't have you know gone into cricket and been fortunate enough to have um, the time in that that I did.
0: Yeah, mate. It's really really interesting. Like. Um yeah, coming from that environment, you you would have been exposed to good and bad behaviours, and uh, the Glenorchy Footy Club was a bit of an institution back then, and they liked to uh, to to have a good uh, celebration, and the bar there was pretty popular with the community and so forth. From from my uh, my experience down in Tassie, and you know that that blue collar environment was was pretty much embraced in in that particular region. How did you go? Like coming through as a young fella, did you fall in into any traps and any poor lifestyle behaviours? Were you pretty pretty disciplined?
1: No, look, I, I was I was really lucky that um, you know cr- cricket for me was always a, a bit of a leveler. So um, you know, I was I was playing first grade cricket at uh, at fifteen, um, playing senior men's cricket at at, uh, at thirteen, mm. um, and you know, I was always around. Adults and, and and blokes, and so in terms of you know some of the, uh, you know some of the the behaviours that as a teenager you can you can get yourself in you know so, you know uh, boozing and drugs and, and and those types of things. I was always kind of surrounded by people that were you know helping me make good choices. Um, so that that that's that's the one thing for me that I always look back on and think that you know sport. Um, and and my sporting club, the the Glenorchy Cricket Club in particular, played a, a huge role in you know providing me with you know guidance around those behaviours. And I had a good mentor, um, a fellow by the name of Brody Phillip, took me under his wing and just tried to teach me everything from a cricket front and and then about life. And you know, so from age fourteen, I had this this presence that you know, that I could always go to. And, um, and I still have that relationship with Brody today. Um, he's, you know, back involved in our career club. I'm back coaching. And, you know, all throughout that time, my, my professional career and, you know, being a young man and now being a you know, an adult, and I've always been able to draw on Brody for guidance and friendship and, 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 and leadership. And, um, and that, that's been huge for me. Without him and, um, and the club, you know, I, I could have fallen into, you know, some, some bad behaviours and, um, you know, that, that, that's something that, that can happen to anyone. You know, it's, it's one, one bad choice and you can kind of really spiral into, into a whole raft of different things. So, yeah, for, for me, sport was, was kind of the, the, the saviour on that front. I, you know, I was kind of making good choices surrounded by good people and, um, yeah, I was, I was lucky.
0: Was there any state players in the Glenorchy program when you were involved as a young fellow? Yeah, so we... No, not really. We, we had um,
1: uh, a fellow by the name of John Saint was was my first first-grade coach. Um, he was pretty prominent uh, New South Welshman, came down here, uh, tried his hand. He played a couple of one-day games, I think, maybe, maybe some limited shield cricket. Um, he was kind of around for, for maybe two years, um, and then, you know, so early on, the, the, uh, a guy that had a, you know, a huge impact on my game, a fellow by the name of Andrew Wyver, so he, um, he departed Clarence and came to Glenorchy, which is unheard of. Um, the two, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> the two yeah, clubs across cricket and footy have a great rivalry, and um, Andrew's um, Andrew's dad, Ian, um, you know enormously huge figure uh, with Clarence. So for Andrew to, to come across to Glenorchy was, a, was a, a big thing in itself. But the impact he had as a captain, um, you know, on myself and Luke Butterworth as well, who was coming yeah. through at the same time. Luke, yeah, um, yeah, we, we were super fortunate that the, um, the wives was you know in the mix and and then you know kind of bizarrely, as you know, Luke and I were, were both in the in the Tassie system pretty early. Um, you know, I was involved in their training squads at, at you know seen the level at kind of seventeen and, and debuted at eighteen. Um, that automatically made me a bit of a leader within our within our senior grade team, and then Luke was the same. I think he debuted at nineteen, mm. so you know by the time I was twenty two and he was nineteen, we were our you know we we were both our senior cricketers. Mm. Um, so yeah, which, which which you know brought about some um, some different challenges in in itself.
0: Oh mate, I remember it all. I was down there at the time, and I, I just really. Uh... I really loved watching, you know, yourself and Luke in particular. Like, like we'll, we'll talk about uh, the Shield final and so forth soon, but, like, just how Luke matured and was able to, you know, be the, I suppose, the pillar for that uh, that particular win. But, um, mate, you, you know, like, you, you guys were up against it. Like, you, you look at um, Clarence and Glenorchy, for example, and maybe North Hobart and th- those more prestigious clubs. Like, you guys were the... Uh, let's say the western bulldogs of the uh, of the club of of the, cl- of the, of the whole um, I suppose
1: yeah. uh, system down there yeah yeah it's, it's interesting that you know and you could look at Vic Premier um, cricket or, or the VFL or you know it's a it's a kind of a societal thing you know we as a club the Glenorchy Cricket Club is it's the most successful club in in, in, in the cricket Tasmanian Premier League I, you know, I think we've won the, the most club championships we've won the most first grade premierships. Um, yet, you know, still there's the perception that we're the Savages and the Bogans and no one wants to play there. Mm. Um, you know, and, and that, that's that been around for 70 years. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and it will continue to be around for 70 years. So, you know, it, it took, to be really honest, it took me an awful long time to understand that and to understand, you know, why different stages myself and Luke were treated differently and, you mm. um, you know and it's it's probably you know right up until my adult life that i i started to understand you know how society worked a little bit and, and what perception actually meant and stereotyping and um you know we've ever, ever since you know myself and, and and the club's kind of embraced you know who we are and, and 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 what we what we represent you know we've we've actually been able to have a a really high level of success and you know for a long period of time i think our club tried really hard to to fit in with, you know, what Cricket Tasmania wanted and uh, what everyone else wanted us to be rather than just being true to you know, the values of our region You know we're, we're kind of, you know, hard working um, uh, people, you know who are, who are honest and, you know, we speak what, um, you know, we speak our truth and, um, and sometimes, you know, large sporting organisations and, and, and people don't like that so much and, you know, so we're you know, I, in, in me in particular, I've had to be better at um, at how I communicate and my observations and um, to ensure I have a good relationship with Cricket Tasmania. But certainly over a long period of time, you know, we we experienced some, some bad stuff and, you know, a lot of those perceptions and, and stereotypes um, impacted me badly. I didn't – I could never understand it. And, uh, and, you know, at different stages, it made it really hard to fit in
0: yeah yeah you should be proud of yourself mate really to be to be able to observe that and not get trapped in the the poor lifestyle behaviors that uh that can go with being in in an environment where you sort of like you're judged and compared and so forth and another individual that was from the same sort of you know school of hard knocks was ricky ponning which i'm sure you know very well yeah yeah pun
1: is um you know i mean pun is a you know uh mowbray boy and um, you know, good golfer, footballer, cricketer he could do it all. And, you know, he, he's pretty similar. You know, it, it, it just took him a while to understand how he could fit. Um, you know, his, his early days of you know, being in the Australian system, um, you know, he's involved in a in a scrap in King's Cross and, um, you know, all, all those types of things kind of plagued him early. And then he, you know, he had a real moment of, of kind of clarity and he, he found his he found his place in the team and he found himself as a person and you know, he kind of he found his place in the world almost and it and it really turned for him, which was great. And you know, he's been one of Tasmania's greatest athletes, one of Australia's greatest of all time, and it's unreal that he's you know, he's a um, he's a public school knockabout kid from Mowbray. You know, that that's that's exciting.
0: And he still hasn't lost that. Look, he's still got that character and the the wit about him and so forth. And I, I I met him in India years ago and, um, yeah, like, just, you know, talking like you and I are now, like, really, really openly and freely. So, you know... Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, so you would have played with him and uh, and so forth. It would have been pretty exciting coming into the system as a young fella, like, getting a contract and then starting to be, become a professional uh, cricketer?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, kind of um, dream come true sort of stuff. It was... It was a really different time back then. You know, my first contract was uh, in in the year two thousand. I just turned eighteen. Um, I was uh, I was given two and a half thousand dollars to be a cricket Tasmania contracted player, um, and I was an apprentice uh, administrative trainee at the Southern Tasmanian netball association i was making five and a, five and a half grand there so uh you know i was a professional athlete making you know eight grand uh living at mum and dad's paying 20 20 bucks a week rent and um really skiving off them so you know if you compare that to now that that base level um cricket tasmania contracts i think 65 grand and um you know it's um it's it's full time it's professional and you know, whereas back then it was you know um, take what you could get and then also you know take what you could get from an employment perspective to to support that because you know we still had to train um, we still had to travel um, so you know finding an employer that was willing to you know, work with you on that was was difficult for some guys. Uh, I, I got super lucky that uh, that the stNA a lady by the name of Gail Devereux really uh, really looked after me and that you know they were super supportive so. Mm. Uh, yeah, I was, I was able to make it work early days
0: And no doubt being sponsored by Cascade uh, Would have been handy for you when, <laughs> when you weren't earning much
1: money back then yeah, yeah, well it got me in a bit of strife to, I mean, to be honest, you know Like, you know, going, going back into the, the late 90s You know, early 2000s uh, Cricket was a pretty heavy drinking culture And you know, even, even at a club level um, Well, even more so at a club level It was a, you know, it was a really strong drinking culture so um, you know as a as a young guy uh, you know we, we were pretty in tune with sort of playing and then and then boozing and um and that was kind of you know the way of life and and even when you know i was i made it into the uh, into the professional setup and representing tassie it was very similar um i remember i got myself into a into a world of strife um I, you know i played my first game against you know, in south australia i was actually rooming with ricky ponning and um you know, so I was, I was, you know, two months into being 18 years old and, um, you know, we played the game. It was a day-nighter and we ended up back in the hotel bar and, yeah, I thought I could handle it with the with the big boys and um, they were drinking, well, the fire trucks, so bod, vodka raspberries. Uh, I'd never drunk spirits in my life and, you know, after five of those in, in good time, I was nowhere, had to be carried upstairs and, you know, kind of <laughs> laid out on the bed and, um, I ended up heaving all over the place and all over myself and all over the toilet. And oh, nice. um, like I said, I was rooming with Punner and uh, so the next morning he's cleaned me up and we actually slept through it, slept through our alarm and missed the team bus. And um, it was a massive disaster, to be honest. It was okay for Punner because you know he was a, an experienced player and a bit of an old head. It was never going to impact him. But you know I was playing my first game and obviously keen to impress, and I just completely butchered it. Um so it wasn't wasn't the best start. Um and I'd like to say it got better, but it didn't because I missed uh <laughs> I missed a plane on my second game. Um I, I did all the all the right things after the match. That's my second game was in Victoria and um I, I had to actually leave the the state under the nineteen carnival to go and play um to go and play and it was the ING Cup. No, no, it was the Mercantile Mutual Cup then. And um so I fly over, play, you know, leave the the junior team, go and play with the senior team, do all the right things. You know, I I leave the, the pub early. I didn't even have a beer. I went back to my hotel room. I had a seven thirty flight, so I set my alarm for six o'clock. And you set and down. you know, on those, I you know, those old school um, <laughs> alarm, alarm clocks. <course>. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah. I set it for PM and not AM, ah, and uh, shit. and. Uh, I just didn't quite hold the button down for long enough, and um, sure enough, I slept in and oh, <laughs> right, <laughs> missed my way. flight back to Tassie. So uh, yeah, I was in—I was in a world of strife my first two games, and you know, I guess it just didn't—that kind of you know laid light, light the platform for you know the um, other you know, types of percep- the perceptions that I was already you know probably battling because I was a you know public school Glenorchy kid, yeah, and yeah, um, you know, I did myself no favors early days by. You know kind of giving you know as senior leaders coaches administrators that that ammunition to you know to to actually have that perception be a bit of a reality because i'd you know i'd i'd completely butchered it
0: oh, i understand mate and it's unreal how we we have this cellular memory thinking that we need to behave a certain way uh but then we sort of put so much pressure on ourselves that we do you know stuff up and it's interesting like ricky would be 65 kilo, ringing wet, but he can drink with the best of them.
1: Yeah, he's a yeah, he's he's special. When it you know, just a, anything he does, he does well. And yeah, you know, like I said, you know, look, you make a good point. Yeah, you know, looking back, you know, it's 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 easy to forget that that the 18 year old wasn't the only one to sleep through uh, that alarm clock and miss the team bus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Rick, Rick was with me, and a big credit to him. Yeah, you know, he 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 helped clean me up and got me on my feet and. Um, yeah, I was, it was a bit messy. But, yeah, I mean, you know, just the, the worst possible start to a, um, a professional sporting career.
0: Yeah, but do you, <clears throat> you think about that, like, like that's, that in its essence is a, is a heart-based individual like Ricky. Like, if he can actually, like, go outside himself and help you to, uh, you know, get yourself sorted, then that's that's a leader in its essence. And, like, a lot of his... Leadership doesn't come from his head, I believe. It comes from his heart, a bit like Tim Cole, I guess, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, it's a, it's a great observation. You know, Punter's, uh, you know, great leader, good guy. Um, yeah, and, and like like we've, you know, we've kind of spoken about, he's from, you know, he's from that kind of, um, you know, public school upbringing, low socioeconomic area. Um, his mum and dad are, are, are two of the greatest people. I've been lucky enough to meet him and played a bit of golf against Rick's old man and, um, you know real side of the earth types and you know so you know yeah you you're, you're exactly right that you know he's a heart leader you know he wants to help people uh, he's a good communicator who cares and that's mm. that's really important
0: that's right and, and, and like you know thinking about when I sort of caught up with him in, in India like the same conversation that you and I are having but there was other guys in that Australian team which were quite you know opinionated and so forth so you know, yeah. Look, you know, UI, Ricky, those sorts of guys have come from the same sort of environment, and I think that's that's really valuable in many ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, Rick's Rick's done an um, an unbelievable job, and you know, his commentary is good too. He's, you know, he's he's, he's probably going to be the next um, coach of Australia, mm-hmm. hopefully, because he's you know, his coaching pedigree is, is really strong, and you know, he's got you know, he's done really well in the IPL, and um, you know, so and, and again if he is the next australian coach i think that that will really impact um, australian cricket positively mm.
0: so tell me mate we, with regards to you know you getting into the cricket system like that was sort of 2000 your journey was maybe 10, 10 years or more what were some of the, the the real changes and shifts that you saw with regards to professionalism and training and uh, and all the all the good things and bad things that sort of come about that that sort of process
1: yeah, I mean, always um, kind of looked to Andrew Simons as as a bit of a poster boy for the change. So, you know, if you think about the the environment I've just described, you know, with, with regard um, domestic cricket in the in the late nineties, early two thousands, you know, pretty pretty big drinking culture, and, and those Queensland teams were unreal. You know, they 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 played hard, but they you know they probably partied harder. Um, mm. You know, so. You know, Andrew Simons was a real key in that. You know, for a long period of time, you know, pre-game, <clears throat> the night before the game, you know, he was probably you know having a few Bundy rums and chilling out, and you know, kind of you know maybe occasionally playing hungover. I know I can put my hand up and say <laughs> that. You know, I, I certainly did. Um, and most people, most people did, and yeah. um, you know, and then almost overnight, you know, the, the influx of cash, and and the Australian Cricket Association did an unbelievable job in in negotiating, um, you know, greater terms for the players. But w- at, with that influx of money came an influx of required um, professionalism. So no longer will we be holding, you know, kind of casual part-time jobs, so that we could. Travel the country and booze and play cricket. We were expected to you know, live and breathe the game, um, and and that and that was quite difficult for guys who had spent you know their formative years in the game, adapting a different style, a more relaxed you know kind of approach to the game. And you know when all of that started to you know become um, you know um, apparent for Andrew Simons, you know he entered the Australian system right as that professionalism was you know really really hard Mm. um and unfortunately for him he just wasn't able to 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 shift you know his his style of um you know of preparation was completely different and and whilst you know cricket australia did their best to you know try and help him through that um it just would never have resulted in him playing his best cricket you know like you couldn't expect him to prepare like steve smith or Mm Manus. um Labashain because he's not that style of personality and his formative years weren't built by being an intense, um, you know, kind of soul cricket focused human being. Um, Mm. so yeah, he, he's, he's a little bit of a poster boy in terms of the, you know, the changing, changing professionalism and, and how that impacted, you know, a lot of people. And, you know, unfortunately for Roy, um, you know, it, it didn't end all that well. And, you know, as a straight cricket performer, uh, he, he certainly deserved to go out on his terms and, you know, unfortunately it didn't quite happen.
0: Yeah, probably just before his time too. Like if he hadn't been around, you know, five years ago, he would have been into the IPL more and probably like really capitalised on all that. Uh, but yeah, like, like very similar, like, you know, like stuck to his his, his guns and he, and he stuck to his knitting with regards to his uh, mindset and the way that he actually saw life. And as you said, that's probably like changed the perception of, uh, the way cricketers are perceived and you know like yeah he was like, like obviously you think about uh, the lifestyle um you know you guys were sponsored by cascade they were sponsored by forex so there was a bit of a uh a yeah. mixed, mixed mixed message going on with regards yeah to, definitely yeah, yeah yeah so yeah, yeah Fun, funny that.
1: yeah F- funny story about roy and, and this kind of sums up um you know i think the differences in you know upbringings and, and and general um approach to people so you know when i um i was lucky enough to get um selected into an australian squad that was going to play bangladesh and darwin mm. <coughs> excuse me yeah. and so um yeah, we've traveled um oh we, we we met in brisbane for a, a pre-series camp and uh, roy wasn't a part of that but we uh, we all jumped on a flight from Brisbane to Darwin, and we, we you know we're flying up up front in in, in business class, and uh, Roy was on that flight, and so I've kind of you know come onto the plane. Roy's already established himself in like the, you know the fifth row of first class or business class there, and I get on the plane, I sit down, and I'd been reading this book. I can't remember what it was, but I, I wear reading glasses, and and uh, so I sit down, you know, put, got my book out, and put my glasses on from out the back of business class you know people are still filing in you know business it's a, it's a rage of you know business people suits you know people taking off their jackets mm. so roy sees me with the book and my glasses and he just yells out across the entire oh he grieves you <laughs> derogatory term uh nice glasses and so i kind of turn around and flick him the bird and um you know we have a bit of a giggle and i go back to my book i did not think any more of it and I see him next to my cousin. He's kind of like, uh, "Mate, are you are you okay with that?" I'm like that was probably a bit over the top. And he's like, no, "No, that's just Roy," you know, kind of making sure I'm part of it. You know, making sure I'm comfortable. And he's like, "Oh, okay, as long as you're okay." And then we got off the plane, and the team manager kind of came up to me as well. He's like, "Look, you know, I overheard what happened. You know, is everything okay?" And I'm like, "No, no, no it's fine." You know, like <laughs> stop panicking, you guys. Like yeah. zero issue. You know, I'm I'm confident that you know that was Roy's way of kind of welcoming me i would have you know if i was the established person i would have done the same thing it's the banter you know that that we kind of grew up with but at at that time you know i I think roy you know they were on kind of red alert for for roy and um and it was really sad because you know he'd gone to me he'd gone above and beyond to make sure i was actually okay by engaging me in a way that he that he felt i would appreciate Um, Which I did I loved it, Um, you know, but because everyone else was kind of you know on on Roy watch Everything he did was just on on high alert So it's you know, just kind of highlights where he'd got to and you know how people you know kind of perceive Communication styles and you know and again that level of banter for that period of cricket and the professionalism wasn't you know, wasn't appreciated Yeah, 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 and that's true
0: mate and I think things have probably eased and we've become a little bit more tolerant to uh, different individuals and, and their uh perception uh, of life i suppose and you know i was talking to ross funk last night on this that uh, he played for richmond and uh melbourne and so forth on country farmer but he's saying now how great it is that like people are being embraced for the individuals that they actually are you know you know rather than sort of being like put into a box where they've got to try and behave a certain way
1: yeah, and that's that's good coaching. You know, I um, yeah, and that's that's kind of what the modern day coach is doing. You know, you look at the AFL and Clarkson and um, you know, all the, all the, all of the bigwigs. You know, that that they're taking a really individual approach. You know, that man management connection uh, kind of approach. And um, you know, I know that you know, I, I I realistically played you know maybe three good years of cricket. Um, and there's no coincidence that, that they all came under the captaincy of Dan Marsh, who mm. um, I had a great relationship with, and uh, I know that he, you know, trusted me as a cricketer. But, you know, because we were uh, playing, you know, quite a bit of golf off the field and, you know, we'd, we'd just built a, a good connection, um, you know, it's zero coincidence that, you know, that my leader um, liked me and respected me and I respected him and, you know, I was, I was able to perform, so um yeah you know, it's, it's a it's a pretty clear model for um you know for coaching and you know general life leadership success
0: and you've got a pretty similar body type to him
1: <laughs> yeah it's you know it's funny because um you know I was always a, a bit chubby and my skinnies were never great and you know uh, Dan's got a pretty you know he's, he's, he's Rod's boy you know he's yeah. short and rotund and uh we always found ourselves in the shower together at the end of the day dan and i would wait for the athletes to get in with their you know and they'd, they'd kind of wash their rigs and you know they're all chiseled and <laughs> six packs and stuff and, and then chubby dan and i'd kind of find ourselves kind of sneaking in uh together you know so that we weren't uh, under the scrutiny of the um of the big guys
0: <laughs> so mate like, like in saying that you were still being able to perform at a higher level um you know with with uh the physical attributes and so forth that you had. You, you must have worked pretty hard to, like, over those three years to be able to, like, be able to achieve with, you know, what you did.
1: Yeah, I've always kind of overplayed the, you know, the the, the chubby side of things. I mean, at, at different stages, my skin folds were through the roof, like, really uh, high. When I when I was on long-term injury, uh, I was horrible at rehab, um, and I'm good on the tooth, and if I'm not exercising and, and keeping myself... Yeah, Cherry ripe. Um, You know, I I'm I'm prone to kind of getting a, a bit big, but um, the real turning point for me, our our player development manager, a fellow by the name of David Newitt, was working for the Tasmanian Institute of Sport, and uh, he started doing some work with with Cricket Taz. and uh, David Newitt's prominent uh, footballer um, uh, across. I think he played in South Australia, and, and certainly played a lot of footy down here in Tassie with Glenorchy. Um, and I got chatting. I was really flat at the time on, on cricket. Things just hadn't gone well in the first five or six years of my career. I was constantly injured. Uh, you know, I was battling to fit in socially, uh, and Newey just kind of, you know, really put his arm around me, and, um, and, we, and he, you know, he just asked me, he's like, what do you like? Like, you know, what, what's going to motivate you to run, to get fit? I said, man, you know, I love footy, and he's like, what? Um, he was coaching Glenorchy at the time. I said, okay you're going to come out and train with me. Um, You know, every Tuesday, every Thursday, you're going to run like the players are going to run. You're going to be involved in every drill. You turn up late. You're accountable. Um, You're going to be part of this, but you obviously just aren't going to play. I'm like, sweet, this is is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Um, So I started to really heavily engage in, you know, Tuesday, Thursday night training, and I ran and I ran and I ran um there was a night i remember i turned up it was just horrible weather um raining hard and you was know, he's like okay well i'm going to take the footy boys over into the gym we're going to do some skills work uh you're going to run uh, i know your old man lives around here somewhere where does he live and i'm like oh you know mum and dad are, you know probably eight k's that way you know Glenorchy to clamor he's like well what you're going to do is you're going to run there and you're going to run back and if you stop Oh no! And I am like, yeah, okay, sure, okay, I'll do that. And so I ran out to Dad's, knocked on the door, hey, how are you going? What are you doing? I oh, just, you know, this is what's happened. And I took off again, and I ran back uh, with just fear that if if I stopped, somehow he would have found out, and and I would have copped it. But um, and that and that completely turned around my um my cricket career. To be honest, I. Um, you know, I had a huge pre-season where I just ran and, and tried to you know, hold as much gym as I could and I uh, started in the first Shield game and first one-day game of the year and um, I played every game, um, you know, and, and, and took wickets and stayed on the park and, um, you know, and then was able to back it up again the next season. Um, so, yeah, without without David Neward and, you know, that involvement in the Gorky Footy Club, it, it, it would never have happened for me because I was just – Plotting along, really struggling to fit in and, you know, just lacking the motivation to, you know, put in, put in the proper work, yeah. Mm,
0: interesting, and they didn't have drones back then, so there's no way he could have checked you, but uh,
1: that's <laughs> all right. <laughs> Mate, honestly, he, uh, he even, even to this day, um, I ran into Newey at, at the Lord of the Lauderdale Footy Club. He was down running, uh, he runs a, uh, a, 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 um, a kicking coaching um, business, and uh and we ran into each other and oh, i was just you know the, the level of re- you know when you run into someone that you really respect um and you get almost get a bit nervous um you know he kind of had that impact on me just because of the level of care that he went to and he went above and beyond to, to help a kid that he didn't really have to um you know so i'll always be you know really appreciative
0: of yeah. that Yeah, oh mate and 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 see that, that is a heart-based leader, Brett, you know, like we, we spoke about with Ricky and Tim and, and those sorts of people, like people that actually like really want to see uh, you as an individual be able to be a better human. And, um, you know, you, you look at Glenorchy Clarence, let's use that as an example, a lot of the people that are in a different level or a higher ego are pretty much in the mind, you know, in that comparison mind, which I believe is a, a low level of consciousness. Now, you, you guys and, and, and you know, people from that sort of upbringing have got compassion for one another, which I believe is a much higher level of consciousness than, than those sorts of, you know, judgments and so forth, which can sort of get us trapped. And, you know, you, you've really, you, you, you need to be proud of yourself because you've stuck to your knitting the whole journey through and you've been yourself as an individual. And, you know, I just wanted to bird off a little bit, but... I was lucky enough to do some work with with the Tassie Tigers in two thousand and twelve, and I was pretty much in my head then too because I, I come from your upbringing and that sort of environment, and I got myself really fit, and then I started to um, you know train people, and I we were invited along to uh, to do some work with the Tassie team, the Tassie cricket team, and um, I had some unbelievable um, you know people that wanted to get the best out of themselves, like Tim Payne and so forth, but then I had Mark Cosgrove. <laughs> You know, I'm <laughs> sure. I'm
1: sure. Cosy's, Cosie's one of my favourites. I, I love Cozzy to death. He's just, he's all heart. He would go. He would do anything for anybody. The the man's a legend. And um, I reckon that was at you know, kind of almost at the back end of, of his time here in Tassie. He wouldn't have played so many more years after that, maybe. But um, Cozzy just had one of those physiques, didn't he? Just a big square <laughs> kind of chest that and it didn't matter how much he ran or how much he dieted he, he's just his body was his body he couldn't yeah. he just couldn't do anything about it so oh, mate. Uh, a great cat cause the mass love for him
0: like you know he he, he basically said oh, i just had four four big backs you know like like at lunch or whatever that sort of thing i'm thinking i'm going to try and push this bike to do the same as what the others are doing and uh, he sort of like he potted along did his own thing, but I was thinking like I was frustrated because I think this guy could be so much better. But uh, at the same time, he was an individual and he was himself. You know, very much like yourself, and and that's going to hold you in high regards to live a happy happy life, I suppose. At the end of the day,
1: yeah, I absolutely appreciate saying that. It's um, yeah, I mean, it, it does. You know, I mean a lot of a lot of what you're talking about, you know, before and you know, in terms of the you know the the um the perceptions and you know the consciousness and it's it's taken me a long time to to, to realize that you know that, that a lot of that stuff exists you know i used to take the you know the the, the um yeah, lack of invitation to social um you know events and, and different things personally mm, um yeah. but it's kind of you know it's just you know he's the Glenorchy kid and he's got a big mouth and a and a you know and a uh, English comedy style, you know, sense of humour and, you know, I, I now understand that, you know, that doesn't wash with everyone. You know, I kind of, I can kind of get that now. You know, if I was able to get it back then, you know, maybe I would have changed or, you know, would have, um, you know, tried a little harder to, to fit in. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it kind of goes both ways. As I said, you know, that that societal piece is is very real and um, it, is, it is a real challenge for, you know, for people who are from, different upbringings that aren't you know across that perceived elite mm. um you know to, to to fit into particularly cricket which has become it has become quite elitist and i know that um the the, the state organizations have, have identified with that and you know there are plans in place certainly in tasmania to you know, to better, um, you know, to, to have a greater presence across the public schools mm-hmm. from a talent identification, and then also an understanding of what actually makes those people tick. What are their experiences? Uh, how can we help them to achieve in professional sport rather than, you know, um, in the past, you know, myself and Butsy and, and a million others have have had the change, have had to be the ones to to change to fit in, and and that doesn't necessarily work.
0: Mm, that, that, that's true, and and see. You know, the, the, the beautiful thing about doing this podcast is is talking to people from all different walks of life and upbringings and so forth. And you know, like you, you talk about change, like there's been guys on here that have had like a lot of trauma that was, you know, brought on from their father and their grandfathers and all them before them, and, and these guys are breaking the cycles, you know, so so you you as an individual with what you've been able to achieve um you know you look at your old man working in aged care great he's still doing a a role which is really heart-based and he loves that but now you're doing something which is is helping individual uh, other individuals and helping them sort of uh rise up and be a, a bit more conscious is that right
1: yeah so i i've yeah i've been really lucky in the last um 12 months um so you know, I, I I I've been lucky in life, really. You know, you, you you kind of speak about people that have been through, you know, enormous amounts of trauma and and have had really bad experiences. You know, I I I'm from an unbelievable family who, you know, loved and supported me and um you know really helped me best they could to to achieve. So, um you know I'm 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 blessed. Um I guess coming out of out of cricket as a profession, I just was completely lost as to. Mm-hmm. What was next, and you know, I tried my hand at some media, and um, you know, kind of dabbled in that, and um, just kind of generally floated. Um, never really found something that I was, you know, super content with internally. And um, I started working for uh, RecLink Australia, um, who provides sport and recreation opportunities to disadvantaged. Mm. Um, so working down here in the south of in Tassie and Hobart, and. Um, yeah, so the first 12 months of, of that role was, you know, kind of working daily with uh, drug and alcohol rehabilitation facilities in a sport and recreation activity or um, some disability um, schools from low socioeconomic areas, you know, hardcore yeah. country, rural um, towns. And um, and so I, I'd always had a bit of a, a want to, you know, try and provide opportunities for, you know, my public school brethren. Um mm. And um, so, you know, RecLink were, were great. I had a bit of a vision to, you know, bring back school versus school sport, which hasn't happened down here in Tassie in the public school system for an awful long time. Mm, yeah. So we started started in the northern suburbs with, with four schools and we had a, a three-on-three basketball tournament um, and we got the support of the, the, the local Glenorchy basketball club who provided the scholarship to the, the league MVP um uh, as a young man who you know uh, from a a difficult upbringing um his parents would never have been able to afford to you know have him involved in in club basketball which can be quite expensive so you know as as a result of that that series or that tournament that we ran one kid got the opportunity to do something that he would never have been able to do because of his life circumstances um I just got such a, such a kick out of that that, firstly, you know, the club would go above and beyond, uh, you know, to cover this kid financially um, and then also support him, you know, with a, a really, really strong su- support network. Um, but also, you know, internally, just huge reward that, you know, that my vision, you know, actually um, happened. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and it just felt great. So we, from there, it's kind of grown. So we ran a, a cricket one, um, you know, cricket Tasmania were excellent and, and supported that. The Kingborough Cricket Club and the Glorkey Cricket Club both uh, gave um, scholarships to two young people who they they identified as talented who weren't otherwise involved in Premier League cricket. Um, so you know now we're up to three kids that are getting an opportunity to you know to be involved in you know the type of support network I got as a, as a young man. So you know the the behavioural standards, the uh, the relationships, the mentoring. Um, the employment opportunities is, is the other thing that you know is a, is a huge impact on on young people you know if I look at my club at the moment it's just a raft of senior industry leaders managers mm. business owners um, you yeah, know builders who are employing seven eight people you know so that that employment piece is, is critical too mm. so in our 12 months through we've run you know a sporting contest um, each term um, and you know we've got seven um, scholarship Participants out in out in the out into our clubs, um, and it's just been unbelievable. So you know, at the moment, you know, we, we're trying to um, we're trying to get some funding to to build that, so we can increase our uh, mentoring fo- footprint, but also you know that scholarship piece, so that we can you know not just provide you know one or two um, uh, young kids an opportunity throughout that, but you know if we can build that to three or four. Uh, every term you know then we're kind of looking at 16 kids a year that will you know that will get the opportunity to um not worry about the financial aspect of the game but just to enter you know premier league sport have been identified as talented uh, they're going to go and get that support and you know hopefully um you know a couple of them you know really achieve and go on and you know um live great sporting lives
0: it's not just that it's the empowerment to help them uh change as individuals and, and maybe break those cycles of poor habits and lifestyle behaviors that could lead to you know drugs alcohol crime all those sorts of things and you know Brett, I, i'm just diverting off a bit like I, I've, I've been really lucky uh with my journey too but now i'm, I'm involved with an organization called mac force australia and when I was down there in Tassie, I went to Risden and I said, "Look, I want to try and take twelve inmates to help them be better people than what they were when they arrived." And I got laughed at primarily, um, but I saw a, an opportunity then to be able to use time as in, in car- incarceration to be able to like help people, you know, really change and learn positive lifestyle habits that can really support them when they when they move through the system and. Yeah, actually, it did get traction. I was I was doing some work there, and and end up uh, the the project got hit on the head. But I've had a real vision ever since then, and, and you know I've gone into prisons and I've taught yoga and meditation, all these sorts of things. And you now these are things that these guys have never had. You know, and and I always sort of knew that um, I I just I just believe we've got the model wrong. Like a lot of these people are getting um, you know uh, penalized for trauma that's not their fault. It's the same with you when you're seeing these young guys come through. They've had lots of stuff going on in their lives and their lives can go south really quickly. Or they can have someone like yourself come along that uh, that can show them another way. And I just believe, you know, this this is the opportunity to be able to help mankind become a little bit more connected and, and conscious and, and aware that they can break the cycles and and things can, you know, start to to change for them. So so now with what we're doing is um, we're going into prisons and sort of helping guys six months out to you know learn lifestyle behaviors which are positive, but also give them the tools to be able to go straight into the workforce as soon as they get out, uh, rather than getting back into the old uh, old habits and so forth, which 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 basically people do. You know, if we're bored, we we get stuck and we go back to the old um, old ways consistently, and and you would know from the northern suburbs and, and some of those country towns you know boredom uh can can creep in really really uh, easily and uh then these sorts of behaviors start to become more relevant so i just think you know what you're doing and so forth is so important because it actually helps break cycles and starts to give people a, a better quality of life yeah
1: well and and you know i mean back, back at you aaron i mean there's that you know that's um that uh Soul Asylum song "Misery," you know, mm. "Misery Loves Company." Um, mm. and so you know, one of the, one of the things I always think about, you know, particularly the work we do with you know a lot of our um you know drug and alcohol rehabilitation facilities that we work with, and um you know with a couple of uh, men's uh, homeless shelters, is that you know if we can provide access to you know sport has always been unbelievable, you know, for me in terms of the network, people, friendships. Um, and so, you know, by you know, hopefully, by engaging in sport, you know, some of the people that are, are feeling flat and isolated and, and low, um, you know, might just be able to, you know, use their their one, um, you know, experience in a sport to go, hey, how cool is this? Where's the local club? How do I engage in that? And we are we are starting to see that uh, more, particularly in the last twelve months, from from a lot of the programs that we run, that you know, we've got a greater connection to the local club um and it's and it's huge because you know it's like as soon as you walk into a sporting club and you've got 55 friends
0: yeah
1: um as soon as you wear that shirt or the jumper or the vest or the singlet whatever sport it might be you've got friends straight away people will look out for you um and that and that's where i think sport you know is, is, is such a great platform particularly for for, for young men and women um in low socioeconomic areas who you know as you said before are looking to hopefully we can help them break that cycle of of poor behaviors and and poor decisions and choices um, to come into something that's a you know an environment of you know peace love and harmony
0: yeah agree and and to be able to like I said with regards to uh, my experience with the prison system to be able to help people that come into a sporting environment to be better than what they were when they arrived you know to be able to have people involved in in clubs that can actually help uplift them and support them and nourish them and give them the, the resilience to be able to handle life outside the sporting club, I think is really important as well.
1: Yeah. And that's it. I mean, resilience is, a, you know, such a, such a, a good word at the moment. You know, I'm, I'm back coaching a, a first grade cricket team and, you know, we've, we've a lot of young fellows who, you know, they, they give up really quickly. Um, you know, they if 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 the performance piece isn't going well, they they quit. If um, you know, if they have a run-in with an opposition player, that's the end of the world. You know, so um, whether there's a, a real generational shift, you know, what role social media plays in that um, is you know for for people on a far higher pay grade than me, but um, yeah, it is it's concerning. And you know, if, yeah, like you've identified, if we can. If we can play a you know a small role in, in in helping people through that. Then you know it's a it's a it's a huge win both you know, in the you know for our individual reward, but also you know for the you know for, for the people to be able to you know hopefully improve or you know find find a way out.
0: Agree, and not like help people understand to not be attached to that identity. You know, like so, life's so much bigger than than you know Brett the cricketer or you know, um, you know, the the young fellow that's got some form of attachment with who he is and so forth. But, you know, there's so much more to life and, you, you know, you know that everything's impermanent. You weren't going to be a cricketer forever and you've been able to move into uh, more of a heart-based lifestyle now where you're helping others. And I think that's that's the real gift. And, you know, we've still got, you know, uh, the best of Brett Jeeves to come, I, I believe, because you've you you, you you've been able to experience so much to be able to help others, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh,
1: yeah, I certainly hope so. But I, I, you know, I do, I do wish that you know, at, at age twenty four or you know twenty three, twenty four, um, I had an understanding, you know, better understanding of who I was and and, and who and, and what I wanted to be. And you know, that that was probably one of the um one of the you know, most disappointing things on on my part that I could have controlled was um, studying or, or doing something to ensure that once I came out of cricket. Um, I had a plan um, and, you know, I always thought I could just wing it, um, you know, but ultimately I came out of cricket. My resume was, you know, I had a good golf handicap and, um, and you know, my <laughs> my NBA 2K PlayStation skills were all well. I could beat anyone <laughs> online anytime, but no one cares. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like, like it, you know, it's part of the journey and it's taking me 10 years to work out, you know, the the space I want to be in. Um, you know so sort of from from here moving forward you know, I feel I feel content and happy and you know hope that I can make an impact
0: absolutely mate I, I agree and, and you're on that path now and you know you've got three beautiful kids to be able to mentor and and help them uh, you know fulfill their lives and actually learn from what you've been able to experience uh, to make sure that they can walk into their passion and really enjoy their lives and I think a lot of us get uh, stuck in um, in roles or uh, you know in in lifestyles which aren't really aligned with us but if we can start to help people realize you know by doing something that they love is going to help them be fulfilled and happy and everyone else benefits from that so you know i believe from your experience you've got the opportunity to be a great father and be able to help them move into to life successfully so they can thrive as individuals as well
1: yeah no i appreciate it. it's very this has gone gone very deep it's a very deep conversation. <laughs> well,
0: that's true, mate. That, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. So, <laughs> um, mates, uh, really, really appreciate your time. And uh, I know you've got to get off to cricket training now. So yeah. I'm going to let yeah, you...
1: Yeah, uh, uh, we've, um, we've got the graveyard shift up at the TTA indoor net seven... 45 on a tuesday's not for cricket training Jeez. but uh we'll make it work it'll build it'll it'll help us build some resilience
0: that's and you'll sleep well that's the thing mate so as long as you don't go <laughs> as long as you don't, don't go down to the uh hope and anchor at the end of it and um you know uh, spend uh, all night there drinking cascade drafts you'll be okay
1: nah those days are gone sadly <laughs> that's
0: it good on you mate really really appreciate it brett
1: no, thanks, Darren. Yeah, keep up the great work, mate. As I said, you know, you're doing doing unbelievable stuff and um, thanks for having me a part of it.
0: Guys, thanks so much for listening in. Brett and I could have, uh, yeah, went a lot longer with this one. I'm sure we'll probably do another down the track. But, uh, yeah, really appreciate you uh, you tuning in. Um, Brett's, yeah, unbelievable journey. He's stuck to his knitting throughout his whole life and he's 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 true to his roots, you know, he hasn't... Uh, trying to change, uh, try to change too much with regards to uh, the way he lives and, um, you know, the way he approaches life, which I think is uh, absolutely you know, beautiful. And, and, and he's a uh, you know, real credit to himself and his family uh, and, uh, yeah, really encourage you. If you want to learn a bit, a bit more about Brett, look up RecLink and also look at some of the cricket stuff that he was able to achieve over the years. So if you want to reach out to me, support outbackmind.com.au, check out the website outbackmind.com.au. Appreciate your support. Please share the podcast with others and uh, some more awesome ones coming up soon. Cheers.